Welcome to the Journey Youth Podcast. Here's the place where you can catch up on past and future messages. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new messages go live. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab the table because I like the table. Everybody likes the table. Paul uses the table on Sunday, so it must be more anointed, so I, it's probably best to use the table. All right, so we are starting a new series, Just Jesus, like Andrew announced. Um, we're kind of going into that Easter season, as he said, so we're going to be taking the next three, maybe four weeks, depending on how long Michael wants vacation. Um, and we're going to be going over like some of the events leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, since we're, we're in that season. But we're going to be taking a little bit different of a look than compared to what you would, you would typically see. So... Um, tonight we are starting at the, the Passover or like the Last Supper. So Jesus is celebrating the Last Supper with his disciples and that, um, that's symbolic of the Passover when all the Israelites left Egypt in the Old Testament and um, you know they packed up all their stuff and headed out to the Promised Land. So that's kind of what this is celebrating. So we're going to jump right into Matthew 26, 17 through 56. We got about 35 verses to cover. So that'll be up on the screen but it'll be in your Bible as well. So I will just go ahead and read that, and then I'll break it down for you. All right, now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepared for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says my time is at hand, and I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, One after the other, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me will betray me. And the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man whom the Son of Man has betrayed. It would have been better for him, the man, if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said, You have said so. So I'm, I'm going to pause right there quick, because... Jesus is, is, this is like where it really gets crazy on how Jesus walked. And if you were just here for the Fruity Living series, like the fruit of the Spirit was like so present in his life because he's like so calm, he has so much peace, so much patience, so much love in this moment because he's essentially just like sitting down having dinner with some guy that's like going to kill him. And that's crazy because... Nobody would, nobody would do that, but like he calls him out on it. He's like, yeah, you're the guy that's going to betray me. But other than that, he's like, yeah, let's just keep eating some bread. He's like going into like praying over it. And he just like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't phase him. He just, he's still like pretty cordial towards this guy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that a little bit later. But jumping into the next verse, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread after the blessing. It broke and it gave to the disciples. And he said, take this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they will fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. 
Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and praying, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So he came to the disciples and said to them, or sorry, skip a verse. Um, he went back a third time, and he said, My father, if this can, he said the same words again. And then he came to the disciples and said, Sleep and take your rest later. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Madden betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, a great crowd with swords and clubs. Or, the betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now, to Jesus, he wants, or to the betrayer, he'd give the sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then he came up and laid hands. Then they came up and laid hands and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with him, for all who took the sword, or uh, I made my print too small. Um, <laughs> then Jesus. Uh, um, so the one, they came and laid hands on him, and Jesus seized him. And behold, one of those who were with him drew his sword and struck the head of the high priest and took off his ear. And Jesus said, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send 12 or more legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. So wow, that was a lot. So that's, that's where this story stops tonight. And now we're gonna break that down. But it's crazy to see how Jesus responded in all of these like very extreme situations that he was in. And it really shows us ultimately that if we want to walk the way that Jesus walked, we have to be comfortable with everything and trust God with everything. We need to like let the fruit of the Spirit be so present in our lives. And for those of you that weren't here last week, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because if you walk in those things, you're ready for anything, just like Jesus was, even if it might not be that extreme. And Jesus knows that we're always going to make mistakes. And he even says that to his disciples, like the people that he had trained for many years. He says they're going to make mistakes. He says they're not going to be ready. But thankfully, he loves us and he died for us anyways, even though we aren't perfect. Because when he said to his disciples, you will fall away from me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He knew that because since God is outside of time and Jesus is the son of God, 
when he chose these very disciples and he started training them, he still knew that they were ultimately going to fail in that moment. And like, he'd spent three years with them, doing everything with them, teaching them, evangelizing with them, traveling with them, living with them. And he even knew they would fail. But even so, Jesus set the bar incredibly high and he calls us to do our best to fulfill that. And as crazy as it might sound, that same power that Jesus had to be calm and be prepared in all of those moments, the Bible tells us that that lives in us through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, when we're baptized in the Spirit, when we're water baptized, like Andrew just announced, like if you'd love to do that. The Bible tells us that when we do those steps, when we seek after Jesus, that same power is in us. And we can be ready for anything just like He was ready for. Because how many of you would like ultimately feel comfortable teaching and communing and loving someone that you know is going to betray you, that you know is going to be the cause of your death. But Jesus still loved that guy so much that he picked him to be one of his 12 very disciples to start the church. And like, that's, like I understand, that's awesome. Um, so sometimes, even so too, like we say a lot of things that we don't actually mean and we don't actually follow through with. And Jesus knew that too when he called Peter on it, out on it because he said, Peter said, even if they'll all fall away from you, I'll never deny you basically. And even if I have to die with you. And so like he said that and then as we'll, we'll kind of flow into it next week, but Jesus called it out on it and said, you know, tonight you're actually, you're not going to do that. You're going to deny me three times before this morning. And have you ever like said something and then didn't do it? There was like usually repercussions. Like if you said that like you were going to wash the dishes and then you didn't, or you said you were going to get your paper done on time and then you didn't, and then you got a bad grade, or you said you were going to do something extra at work for your boss, but then you didn't, right? And there was, there was repercussions that you got your mom after you, you got your teacher after you, and you got your boss after you. And like Jesus called Peter out on it because he like, he wanted Peter to grow in his faith and know like, hey, like, this is kind of an area you need to work on. But ultimately when he's resurrected and like reunited with his disciples later on, like he's not mad at these guys. He's like, yeah, you guys screwed up just like I knew you would and I, I told you that was gonna happen, but like we're, we're all still cool, you know? And they, they still went on to be like some of the greatest people start some of the greatest evangelical movements in history. <sighs> and like, even though Jesus knew that they would fail, back again, he still, he still chose them because when he picked his 12 three years ago and he went out and found all of them, he knew them despite of their mistakes. So if any of you guys ever feel like, I can't serve the kingdom because I'm not good enough or I'm not good enough in this way or I don't have enough skills or I'm not close enough to God, like all of these guys have the same issues and sometimes even worse than even you guys have. And like, that's so important to know that even like the very man that betrayed Jesus and was going to kill him, who later on committed suicide because he realized what he had done, it's crazy to see because he didn't truly accept the forgiveness of God because God had forgiven even him, even after what he had done. So it's important to, to know that, that God is always ready for you wherever you are in life. And Jesus chooses to walk in love in every one of these situations and he shows that same love to you. Yeah. Because 
the crazy thing is that Satan wants to put us in a trap of like everything that we hate. He wants you to formulate a list in your mind of stuff you hate. He wants you to roll into school and be like, oh, I hate this person in my class. I hate this assignment I got to do. I hate this cafeteria food. I'd rather be eating Dairy Queen. Because then as you're going about your day, you're so preoccupied with everything that you hate that there's no room in your heart to walk in the love or walk in the peace or walk in the patience that Jesus walked in. And if you think about it, his circumstances were like a lot more extreme than like the cafeteria food or your assignments. So really, like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that crazy. But if you focus on everything that Jesus teaches us and you walk in that love, you walk in that peace, you walk in that patience, there's no room for any of the things that you hate. And so I'm going to share a personal example of this because people, people always say that's good. And maybe, maybe Andy will fire me from worship team after this one, but uh, I'm a volunteer anyway, so what can you do to me? Um, so, like, there's times where, usually not on a Wednesday night because Wednesday nights are pretty calm, but, like, I'll come in on a Sunday morning and I'll be like, this song didn't go as well as I think it did. It doesn't sound the way that I really want it to. You know, I don't like this. I don't like that. And, like, at the end of the day, I'll be up here playing bass guitar, but I won't really be worshiping because I'll be preoccupied with all the stuff that I don't like how it's working and I don't think that it's going well. And I'll have that whole list. When really, in order to truly worship and truly connect with God, I need to be focused on why I'm doing it. I need to focus on, I'm doing this because I love serving. I'm doing this because I love the people in the church and I want to help them enter into worship. And when you're realizing those things and you're going through that, there's no room for the list of things that you hate because all you're focused on is the list of things that you love and that gives you the patience and the joy in the area that you're serving in where you just you don't have room for any of the negative sides of things yeah. and you might think well Jesus he knew all of this was going to happen ahead of time so he was ready for all these plans and he was he was going for it and like that's why he was so cool about it but as we hear in the garden when he was praying, he, he says specifically, my father, if this cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And basically what he's saying is like, he doesn't want to die. Like who, who ultimately wants to die? Like that sucks. So he's like pleading with his father, like if there is some other way that this can happen, like I really don't want to do this, but your will be done. So ultimately like he's in a place where he doesn't want to be. But instead of focusing on all the things that he could be angry with or all the things that are going on around him, he says, like, I'm willing to do this because I love the people that I'm dying for. I want them to be forgiven. And he loves his father, and that's his father's will. And his father loves those people too. So instead of being angry, instead of being mad, he just accepts that it's his father's will because he ultimately loves us. And that's why he goes through with this crazy plan. And then so when we jump back down to when he's actually getting arrested and Judas comes up to him because he had, he had given, uh, he'd given his gang basically all the guys with swords and clubs. He's like, whoever I kiss, like, that's the guy. You got you to gotta arrest him. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. And even in this moment, like Jesus knows this is the guy that portrayed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Even in this very moment when he's like about to get arrested, about to get judged, about to get crucified, the guy who's responsible for all of it, he still calls him a friend. 
he's like, friend, do what you came to do. And like, again, that's, that's so crazy because how many of you would do that? You're about to get like thrown in the back of the cop car and rushed off to jail basically and the person who reported you is like your friend all of a sudden? That's nuts. And this is something that I really want you to stick with because if you can walk through life thinking of everyone as a friend, even in the most extreme situations, you'll be able to accomplish not only so much for God and not only so much for the kingdom, but also so much for yourself. Because then when you said you were going to do the dishes, you actually do them because you're like, oh, like, my parents are my friends, like they're awesome, I want them to be happy. You actually get your paper done on time because you're like, oh, my teacher's my friend and I want to make them proud of me. And you're like, oh, like cafeteria food, I like, I love these cooks. I want, I want them to get better, so like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep eating this and it's, it's going to be great. Because you'll save so much time on all the negativity because you won't have so many negative thoughts and so many hatred because you'll, you'll be able to look at people as really the friend that they are, really the friend that God made them to be. And you'll, you'll miss out on like gossiping about bad stuff. You'll miss out on not getting your paper done on time and not facing the consequences because you wanted them to be proud of you in the first place. And you'll be able to just help so many more people in your lives because you won't have kids in your class that you hate. You'll be friends with everybody and you can reach out to them. And like that might sound impossible. I guess I'm homeschooled, so the classroom stuff, I don't get as much, but there are, there are environments where I can directly relate to that. So if you can really do that, because ultimately nobody else is out there to kill you, so it's, it's not as extreme as where, where Jesus was at. So if he could do it and that same power lives inside of us, if we are really striving to be the fruits of the spirit, we can do that too. And because living violently only ends in violence. When um, Jesus' disciple drew his sword and cut off the guy's ear, and Jesus said, put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Like, that's, that's ultimately on a, on a less intense scale. That's like where it is in our lives. Because if you're mad at somebody, they're going to be mad at you back. And you're going to have like a little war going on, and your life's going to be a mess. If you're mad at, you know, if you're frustrated with something or mad at something you got to get done, like, that's only going to grow more and more as you dread that moment or dread that thing that you have to do. So it's better to just treat everything out of an aspect of love and an aspect of peace and an aspect of patience. And so ultimately, when Jesus asks us to follow him, he's seeing what are we going to choose because he has given us free will to do whatever we want, basically. But he's, he's calling us to live a certain way. And you can choose to live negatively and live in anger and live in frustration, or you can choose to live out a life of peace and love. Yeah. And he set that standard really high. And he wants you to choose that because he's willing to be there and help you through that every single day. Yeah. And so he calls you to live that life but what is your interest in? Because ultimately, you can live that life from a variety of different aspects and in a variety of different areas. Because God has given us different strengths, different weaknesses, different passions, and none of us have the exact same ones. So what is it that you want to serve in? Are you passionate about serving? Do you want to like get up and love people by helping them do projects? Do you want to get up and love people by 
helping them accomplish mutual goals. Are you passionate about being an evangelist, working with people? Do you want to get out there and have peace and patience and love and finding a friend that needs help? Maybe mentoring someone, and that might sound crazy, but ultimately mentoring is just exchanging wisdom between two people. So even if it's not like you have to be like, oh, me and this person are basically the same age, so I can't really mentor them on anything. Even if you're the same age, if you're a Christian and they're not, I'm willing to bet you know something that they don't know, and you can pass that wisdom on to them. So maybe it's just going out and finding a friend and loving a specific person. Maybe you're passionate about music and you want to get up here on worship team. We can always use more help with that, and you can serve in that area. Maybe you have no idea where you're at, and your next step is to just connect with God and find out what gifts he's given you and see how you can use your passions for what he has called you to do. Jesus set incredible standards. He gave us a very specific calling. And we can accomplish that in whatever gifts and areas that he has given us because we all have different talents. And whether you believe it or not, what you're passionate about, God can use. Because his disciples were some of like the craziest walks of people. Well, not the craziest, but like he took a bunch of fishermen, he took a tax collector, he took a doctor, he turned them all into evangelists and church builders. And that's crazy because he was able to use everything that they had and everything that they knew and use that to further build the kingdom. And your way of connecting with God and finding what you're passionate about, it may look different than somebody else's. Like, normally here we always teach, like, if you want to connect with God, like, you got to read your Bible and you got to journal. And I think those are great ways to do it because that's, like, a really easy way to talk with God, a really easy way to digest information. But that doesn't always work for everybody. Sometimes, like, for me, feeling, reading my Bible and journaling feels like a chore. Like, I feel more connected and more in tune with God if I'm up here serving or if I'm serving doing video ministry or if I'm like out in nature taking photos because that's what I do. That's like you can feel more connected with God in certain areas than somebody else can and I actually just learned this the other day because God wants to speak with you in a way that you'll understand. I don't have the exact verse here but when Jesus called Simon and Peter, like they were fishermen. So he went to them and said, what you guys do with fish, I want you to do with, the, with people. And like, that's a very easy picture of like what they would understand. In like the Old Testament, when he was found in the nation of Israel, God took Abraham and said like, buddy, like look up at the stars. That's what your, that's what your descendants are gonna be like. He spoke to him in a way he would understand because he was a guy that went out and looked at the stars. He grabbed like, he spoke to you, he wants to speak to you in a way that you can directly relate to and directly understand. So I would say ultimately focus on what your way of connecting with God is and develop that so you can find your passion and your calling. So yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I got for you tonight. I'm clocking out four minutes early, it's 7.56. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll turn some music on and we can hang out.